Welcome into the Ops and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Pray and Eric Scoble on the show as always. And for this Monday edition of the show, we are going to be diving into Oregon football recruiting because we're about 15 days away from things just hitting full gear and full steam ahead from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, if, if you've lived under a rock, uh, for the last 18 months or so, uh, it's been a, a dead period for recruiting um, for over a year, for sure. It's probably closer to 13 months or so, but it's a recruiting dead period. And that has meant no in-person contact with recruits. Uh, players could not make official visits. They could not do unofficial visits. Uh, they Loopholes were, were, were found, but it still required no meeting of physical contact with with coaches and players and the only way a recruit could get on campus was to do a self-guided tour himself and do basically go anywhere the public was allowed and uh, that that means no meeting of the football staff no going into the football facilities uh, no going into stadiums no going into arenas uh, everything was shut down for a year and starting june 1 all the doors are opened and recruiting can go into full scale again. And it's, it, it's a quiet period where camps can, can go on and coaches can work with players at satellite camps or at, at their own camps. And Oregon's going to have a football camp in June. Uh, and then guys can start making official visits and guys can start doing unofficial visits and they can get into the facility, the facilities. And Eric, this is going to be a, uh, a wild and crazy June and we're going to preview the, the official visit list that we've got coming forward here on the show. But June's going to be wild from a recruiting standpoint because it's been dead for, for a, a year and, and some time. Yeah. You're going to get like 13 months of recruiting in one month. Pretty and <laughs> now you've been recovering, you've been covering recruiting for a while. I've been around it for a minute. I don't, I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like this. And yeah. of course it follows a year unlike anything we've seen before. So it's not exactly unpredictable that that would be the case, but it has been strange for sure. Being at events, not seeing recruits there. Um, it's been weird that we haven't been at events we've normally been at and that usually have recruits as well. So um I mean, gosh, just think about how strange it was the spring game not being a, an event that has, you know, I know in 2020 we didn't have it, but in 2021 to not have it be the pinnacle of spring football recruiting for Oregon, it was right. really strange. So, you know, May 1st is your, whenever the spring game is typically been sometime in April. It's like your first big recruiting week of the year. Yeah. And you get, they get four to five dozen recruits. Some of them, some of them kids they want, some of them kids they don't, some of them kids that are three years down the line, some of the kids that are in the same cycle, but it's, it's a huge event. And for that not to take place um, was just strange. And it was going to take place too, until the, the county and, you know, you know, the restrictions rose again, but yeah, I mean, regardless of that, just the spring game, just think about not having visits during last fall during games. Um, think about not having, you know, summer last year, the SNL camp didn't take yeah. place. I'm just, I'm just talking about all the things we haven't had for Oregon and the success that they've had, you know, in their 2021 and 22 classes have all been done without these sort of events, these in-person events. And those are huge in recruiting. Um, 
You know, it's, it's, I, I, I always felt for the kids in 21 that just never got to actually get on campus basically. Yeah. Before they enrolled. So this is a great opportunity for, for players in 2022 to get in and, and beyond to get a feel for Oregon. I know it's huge for Oregon to finally get some players on campus and we've got a list here and it's a lot of big time players from, from all over the country. We've got so far, it's roughly around 20 guys um, that have confirmed that they're going to be on campus for mostly officials, but some of them will be unofficial visits as well. Um, tremendous list. It's, it, it literally feels like every day I'm adding a person to the list and it's pretty remarkable. Um, we've got something up at duckterritory.com that you can go and read for the full month of guys that are coming to, to Eugene. But before we dive into that official visit list, let's discuss um, this commit list right now that Oregon has. And you're looking at a 2020 recruiting class where Oregon is trying to basically go from the 2019 class to the 2020 class to the 2021 class and now to the 2022 class wire to wire as the number one school in the conference from a recruiting perspective. Um, that's a Eric. I, I never thought we, if you asked me in 2010 or in 2008, uh, if Oregon would ever have back-to-back number one recruiting classes in the conference, I would probably say highly unlikely. Um, Oregon has not only done back to back, they've now gone three straight years with the number one class in the conference and they're trying to make it four. And currently they're there. They're there. And I, I think that in of itself needs to be appreciated for a quick moment. No, I agree. I mean, and again, I just, the fact that this has been done without in-person stuff, you know, I mean, I think one thing in 21, we talked about no one got official visits. Like, I don't know. What's the number, Matt? Like half of them got on campus at least prior to the stuff closing. I know yeah, Ty Thompson. That was a huge thing. Ty Thompson, Maliki Matavajo, some other guys were there like a couple of days before things shut down. At yeah. least they'd been on campus. Like 2022 kids that are committed, aside from like the in-state guys, they've never been to Oregon. And, and, the, and the kids that they're hosting largely probably have not been to Oregon. And we'll get to the official visit list in a second. A lot of them are from other parts of the country. And I almost guarantee they've never been on campus before. So um, this 2022 class has been built even a little differently than last year's class, just because last year's class, at least some of them had been on campus before this year. Most of these guys have just never even probably been to Eugene. So, um, I mean, and credit to the staff for going into Texas for a couple of kids, Alabama, Mississippi. Um, I mean, Landon Dollar was, I think, their second verbal commitment in this, or sorry, Andre Dollar was their second commitment in this class um, last September um, from Oklahoma, uh, uh, one of the top tight ends in the country. Um, and he committed sight on scene really, yeah. really early in this process. Um, so, like, from the state of Oklahoma, it's a state where Oregon hasn't had a traditional lot of success. So, I think that part's been impressive with this. But where this class can take another step, Matt, is with these, you know, to, to, to solidify the top spot in the Pac-12 again, they're going to have to have a lot more success and it's going to have to start taking place with, I think some of these guys who haven't been on campus before, which is what makes these visits so big. And you get into June and like, Hey, I mean, I, I don't think either of us are going to be surprised if there's a lot of activity in terms of commitments. Um, and, and, you know, even maybe from guys that, that don't visit just because this is the start of, this kind of feels like the start of something new. Right. And it's right. been such a bizarre year. Since, 
in the in the previous three recruiting classes, Oregon signed 24 players from the state of California. Um, mm. The 2019 class had 11 players in the state uh, signed with the Ducks. The 2020 class had seven players signed with the Ducks, and in 2021, Oregon hit California for six players um, in, in the class. Strange enough, Eric, a, a state that under Mario Cristobal has been absolutely dynamite for Oregon in terms of going in and, and landing their best players. Uh, there's only one commit right now. Oregon has eight verbal commitments in this class, and one of those eight players comes from the state of, uh, of California, and that is uh, four-star defensive tackle, uh, Grace Halton, and he comes from the San Diego area, um, an area in which Oregon is kind of turned into the school. Uh, yeah. And that's something really to monitor is in San Diego, at least like most kids right there, for whatever reason, are growing up wanting to play for Oregon opposed to a USC or a UCLA or an Arizona state or an Arizona, which are all considerably closer um, right. to home. But that's a little surprising, right? Like they've, they've got more commitments in the state of Texas in this class than they do in their most successful state the three previous years. They have just as many commitments in states like Alabama, Mississippi, and Oklahoma than they do of California. And not it's not just that footprint that's kind of been missing. How about Arizona and Utah? Yeah. Those are two states that in 2020 and 2021, certainly you look at, and it was, I mean, 2020, it was all about Arizona, or 20, sorry, 2021, all about Arizona. They did, did just dominated the state there. And a lot of their top recruits are from that state. Nobody in this year's class from Arizona. The same thing with Utah. You think about the Sewells, think about Kingsley Sumatia, Jeffrey Bossa, some of the guys they pulled from that state the last couple of cycles. Again, no success there. And that's not to say those are smaller areas compared right. to California, but like typically Oregon has built their classes, you know, California, Arizona, Utah. And this year's class looks like it's taking a little bit of a different development and it's early. And I'm sure that they're going to end up, but you know, probably pulling up level players from both those states, but I just thought that was notable along with California of like, this is kind of a little bit of a different way they built this. You mentioned Alabama, Texas, Mississippi, Oklahoma, different States that they've hit. And we'll get to the, you know, the official visit list in a second here, Matt, but primarily those are also kids outside of these traditional um, PAC 12 kind of footprint window schools. So um, I, I think it's exciting seeing that take place, but I also think, for Oregon to have the success in this class, for Oregon to be number one, to maybe be top 10 nationally, they're going to have to once again dominate California, Arizona, and Utah to get that done. I don't know if there's enough top-end talent that they can land from the Alabamas and South Carolinas and Georgias and, and Texas of the world to really get back to quite that level. That's not to say they can't have a good class, but certainly California, Arizona, and Utah are areas that you'll see them address, I think going forward because there's so much talent there that they, that is still readily available for them. And, and they've had such success recently. Yeah. It's an interesting dynamic, the way this is working. It, it feels like whether it was designed or not, the 2022 class at least is expanding out to be a little bit more national than uh, uh, a regional perspective. Like, it, like you said, the last three or four years, Oregon recruited nationally. They went after you know the top dogs, but it was like 25% of their class. And I'm making these percentages up, but just right, this right. is what it feels like. Uh, but it, it, it would it felt like 25% came 
from out of Oregon's footprint and primary states of recruiting. And 75% of the roster every year was accumulated from players from Arizona, from Utah, from California, from Oregon, and from Washington. Um, like those five states were probably the areas that Oregon hit the hardest and had the most success in. And now it feels like this class is at least maybe gravitating towards like a 50, 50 split. Like they might, they might get half the class from the state of Washington, from Oregon, from California, Arizona, and Utah. And then the rest of the, of the class comes from, you know, pockets in Texas, Alabama, Mississippi. They go to, they go to New Jersey, they go to Ohio, uh, they go to Nebraska um, you know, and, and finding Oklahoma and, and finding players from other parts of the country and blending them all together. And it's, it's, I, I think there's multiple ways to skin a cat and there's multiple ways to recruit and you can go out and come out and, and dominate regionally and have a really good class. And you could dominate from a national perspective or you could do a hybrid, but it's just interesting to see how that's kind of shifting. And I'm, I'm curious, I'd love to get, with Cristobal after the end of this yeah. class is signed and, and figure out why uh, it went this direction in which it's, it's going from a regional, you know, Pac-12 footprint-ish type situation to more of a national scope. Do, do you feel like there's risks in doing that? Like, or is Oregon at a point now in, in your, your eyes where their cachet and their, their you know, re- reputation is strong enough to allow the staff to recruit nationally. I think, I think both those things can be true at the same time. I think it can be risky e- even if they have a high end of you know, success here, because I-, I also think you don't want to ignore the areas they've had so much success with building this roster. And, and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe there's been conversations behind closed doors of like these California kids don't have the same mentality of a kid from Georgia. So we're want to be right. more aggressive getting kids out of Atlanta. We like their mentality better. I don't, this is completely hypothetical, but like to me, I'm kind of, I look at it and say they've dominated California and the recruiting rankings speak for themselves. And so like, do you need to move away from where your butter has been bred, which is recruiting in this part of the country? Um, and I, yeah, I don't think it's like a full scale shift. I don't think either of us are suggesting that they're like, we're ignoring SoCal and Arizona to go recruit Houston and Tuscaloosa and Atlanta more. I don't think that's exactly what's taken place, but so far the equipment suggests that there's been a little bit more openness to doing that. Um, but I don't, I don't think it can, I think it can also be a very positive thing um, because the more channels you open up, just the higher caliber of recruit you can get. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of, you know, you think about, you know, the inverse of this, you think about the Southeast schools for so long, just kind of stuck in their, 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 their regions. Cause they didn't really need to leave them, you know, Alabama and, and Georgia and Auburn and LSU. I mean, they can put together national championship rosters in their own backyard, basically by right. just hitting the States that are connected to them and their own, their own state. But I just, you know, you think about the last 10 years, how they've shifted a little bit more to, Hey, we're going to at least go after the top, top dogs out of California and Arizona and in Utah and Oregon has had to go up against those schools for players. Um, and obviously those rosters aren't getting any worse. And so I, I'm guessing Cristobal is taking a bit of a similar playbook there of we're already been able to carve out our region of the country. Now it's time for us to maybe take on some other parts a little bit more aggressively just to give us more opportunities to land the big fish. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And certainly there's some guys that they're bringing in the next couple of weeks here and 
it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And I also think it'll be interesting to see the re- how they retain some of these commitments because I think we've seen in past classes when they do go. There will be well, commitments. Yeah. The further away from home there, the guys are typically the, the more highly, I don't know, it's not like it's that volatile, but sometimes those are the kids that you see jump to another school last minute. I'll be curious real quick, two players that I think could have an opportunity to give verbal commitments to Oregon here in the future. And one of them will have a huge impact on Oregon's recruiting class ranking. The other one isn't ranked right now. And so he'll unfortunately weigh the class down a little bit. And I use that not as a negative, but just, he's just not ranked. And once he gets ranked, uh, the things will even out again, but that's Jalil Tucker and Jalil Florence, both from Lincoln high school in San Diego. They were, there was a ton of noise that was made about um, JTT, the number one prospect in the 2020 class or 2021 class who hasn't decided yet. He made an, uh, a visit to Oregon when they had that open spring practice for fans and he he got tickets. He went on the site, got tickets and watched Oregon practice for a day. And while he couldn't have any interaction with the staff, um, he at least got into Autzen and got to see how Tim DeRuiter's defense was going to operate. And it's something. And so much of our attention was devoted to that. And I mean, it's the number one player in the country. Why yeah. would you, why would you not just focus on that? Yeah. But uh, Florence and Tucker, they did, they did the same thing. They flew up with their high school football coach and they went around the state looking around the campus and on their own. And then they went into to practice. They got tickets um, from the general public and watched practice too. And I just think there's a, a really strong chance that both of these guys give verbal commitments to Oregon and they're, Florence is a guy that's if, – if you look at his offer list, he's got everybody right now. Oregon, Michigan, Boise State, uh, Washington, Washington State, uh, Oregon State, Fresno State, Boise State. You know, the, A lot of these schools out west have started offering scholarships. Now um, Big Ten schools are getting involved. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if once he gets his ranking, if he ends up being a high three, maybe that low four star uh, rating and a six foot two corner too. And then little Tucker is a phenomenal football player can play all over the field. Could probably play receiver, could probably play safety, could probably play corner. Um, And he's extremely high on Oregon. He has 22 offers that includes Arizona state, Cal, Oregon, USC, and Washington. And last time I checked, all five of those teams are ones in which they field pretty, pretty darn good defenses um, throughout college football over the last three or four years. So from a, a verbal commitment standpoint, I would, I would look at both of those guys as maybe, hey, uh, don't know when it's going to happen, but if it does soon, it's probably going to be for the Oregon Ducks. Um, Let's dive into this recruiting visit list now. And Eric, it's looking like I'm going to just do a quick count. Six guys are supposed to be on campus June 4th. Five of those six are four-star players. And like you said, they're all players that basically are coming from 
different parts of the country. I mean, you've got a Midwest feel, you've got a deep South feel, you've got a, uh, a guy from Nevada coming, you got a guy from the East coast coming. Um, from Texas. Yeah. Guy from Texas. Uh, it, it's a national approach from this list. And let's just run through the six guys that, that are going to be here right now. Um, and, and we can kind of give some thoughts on where things stand with each guy. Um, Cameron Williams, offensive tackle from Texas, is the first guy we'll look at. A four-star player. He's ranked as the 33rd best offensive tackle in the country, the 296th best player regardless of position. And, Eric, this, just got, this guy just looks like what Oregon's looking for along the offensive line. Six well, foot five, 350, 360 pounds, just a, a mauler of a, of a player and someone that's, you know, he's visiting Texas, he's visiting Miami, Oklahoma, uh, and Oregon is getting the first crack here. Yeah, and I think it's telling a little bit who kind of the body types they've gone after in this cycle. I mean, yeah. Percy Lewis, the commitment is 6'8", 380. This guy is 6'5", 360. Um, big, big offensive tackle recruits. Um, clearly Steve that Jones was... like yeah, these are Steven Jones, big, big Sala. Uh, well, I mean, the biggest guy they have is still Fayopa Laolu, who's like, what, 6'6", six, six, 400 or something like that. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's a big, big, big body types, and it kind of fits the mold of what you've seen. And I do think it's pretty telling that this is one of the top offensive line recruits in the state of Texas, huge body, and Oregon's getting the first crack here. Obviously, someone they've prioritized, and I would imagine someone that they'll have a shot with through the end. Although, again, I, I always get a little bit nervous when you, it's not just that you're competing against teams from the region, but it's that you're competing against Texas, Oklahoma, and Miami Um, for a kid from, you know, the Houston area. That's never easy, but Oregon getting the first crack seems significant. And again, from a, just from like a football player perspective, like size stylistically seems like a really good fit with what Oregon has done in the offensive line recently. The next guy on this list that's expected to be on campus is uh, four-star cornerback Terrence Brooks, another player from the state of Texas, from Plano, Texas, uh, top 100 player in the country. He is the 10th best cornerback. And Eric, you just talked about it um, with Williams in that this is another guy that Oregon's recruiting against a national perspective of, of schools, Alabama, Florida, Texas, Texas A&M, LSU. Yeah. He's got officials set up to Alabama, Florida, Oregon, and Texas right now. Um, Oregon gets the first crack. Probably not the best scenario. If you're the school furthest away from everybody and you get the first crack, I think you'd love to have that last that last visit. Yeah, and, and look who has the last visit. It's Alabama. Yeah. So they're going to be the one to close it. Uh, corner has been a position – where Oregon has recruited really, really well the last three cycles. Um, getting a kid like Brooks in the mix would just add more to it. Um, size-wise, he's smaller. I mean, just a couple of things I think of when I look at his profile. He's smaller than what Oregon signed most recently in 2021. The kids they prioritized the last couple of cycles have all been like 6'1", 6'2", bigger, rangier guys. Um, Brooks, from a size perspective at 5'11", 190, is closer to your Mikhail Wright, Thomas Graham, the Amade Lenore style kind of size uh, cornerback so um, kind of interesting I think from a body type to see them go so long range the last couple cycles and now maybe prioritize somebody who's a little smaller although 
a kid like Brooks is probably just so good and dynamic that you kind of, even if he maybe doesn't fit exactly a stylistic, stylistically what you've been looking at, you probably just take him because he's that good. Next on the list that's going to be here uh, for that first weekend of official visits, TJ Dudley. Um, this is another guy that you might want to circle um, as someone who, who maybe Oregon could sneak in and, and snag. Alabama is probably the favorite, but you, right. you wonder maybe can Oregon slide under there and steal him. Um, TJ Dudley has got a visit set up for Texas. He's also looking at Alabama, Auburn, UCF, Clemson. Um, Oregon's going to get the first crack with him for an official visit. Uh, 16th best outside linebacker in the country, the 193rd best player regardless of position, and one in which Oregon's tried. They've, they've gotten in good here with Dudley. Now we'll see if, if things can play off really well. Yeah, you know, Oregon's had some success in Alabama. Mario Cristobal's yeah. ties there, I think, have been helpful. A couple other coaches and the staff have some history, at least in that part of the country. So it, this would be really significant. Um, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I believe this would be the highest-rated recruit they would have signed from the state of Alabama so far. I know Robbie Ashford was a four-star. Cherquez Bridges and, and uh, DJ James, I think, were both three-star recruits. Um, Tanner Bailey, a current commitment, is a four-star, but a little bit lower rated than D Dudley. So in terms of you know, and maybe this is what you're building to in Alabama is, is you end up landing one of the big jobs, a, a guy like Dudley, who Alabama, Auburn, all the in-state schools, all the schools regionally are excited about. You can pull him in after having had some success with some guys who, again, I don't want to diminish the rank. The, the recruiting ranking right. is one thing, but like you look at the kids they brought in, they've all been really good players so far. But maybe this is the, the, the biggest fish they bring in after having some success with, with getting some guys the last couple of years. Next on the list is a, a four-star offensive tackle from Georgia, Dane Shore. Uh, he's got visits also locked up to USC the week after Oregon. He's going to check out Oklahoma. Um, Oregon's recruiting him. Uh, they have been for a while. I just don't – I feel like this is one where um, they're in there, but I think maybe some other names have, have, have risen to the top. Um, his interest in Oregon maybe has fallen a little bit. It's kind of that weird dynamic where it's like we both like each other, but we've also both got kind of like bigger you know, fish on, on, on our horizons that we're looking at. Um, he is making a verbal commitment July 31st as well. So uh, Oregon's been in there for a while, but I just, I just wonder like they might have other guys higher up on the board right now, Cameron Williams yeah. being one of them. Yeah, and if you go into the visit thinking that way, maybe that doesn't help matters, especially right. with, a, with a commitment pretty imminent. Like he's going to commit in about two and a half months. And if you aren't fully in, if it, if it doesn't feel like this is a guy you're like want to go all in on right now, then maybe that's probably not going to be someone you end up getting. Someone else to, to watch for on this list is Sir Mel's, um, a, a three-star defensive tackle. The only three-star that, as of now, is going to be on campus. He's for this official visit weekend. He's the 59th best defensive tackle, the 782nd best player, regardless of position. Um, he's got two other visits locked in right now, Maryland on the 25th of June. And he's also the week before that going to go check out Michigan on June 18th. Um, I'll say this though, totally kind of reading the tea leaves. Okay. Wouldn't be shocked if Maryland and Michigan are trying to flip Sir Mills. Um, 
on those two visits because he Oregon is first, but this might be a case in which I think they could land a verbal commitment that week or maybe, you know, the week after from him because he committed to UW and then yep. like two or three days after he got his scholarship or he committed to the Huskies, he got his scholarship offer from Oregon and instantly decommitted. Yeah. Now I kind of sense this is one that they could get right. Yeah. And, and, and you said three-star and I know those listening who are like, are like, Oh man, he's a secondary guy, but he's also like, you don't see a lot of kids with his size at the defensive tackle position out West, like no. point blank. Six, four, like, I think you take him. And again, <laughs> like, not that you take a guy just because he was committed to Washington, but that's a little added cherry on top. This is one of Washington's like premier guys for a minute here. And he, I mean, I, Matt kind of already said it, but like kind of notable that once Oregon got involved seriously, the doors kind of reopened here. And I'm sure that they're not going to let that opportunity slide by. And it'll be interesting to see. Maybe this is, maybe this is the kid that commits from the, 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 the June 4th weekend first. Maybe this is the first domino that drops. And then real quick, we're going to wrap this up with the last player on campus as of now. And look, I, I think this list is going to change, Eric. Um, I, I think more names will be added to the list. More names will um, be added to the days following these official visit, this first official visit weekend. But it's four-star outside linebacker Jalen Sneed, um, a player Oregon's probably got a lot of ground to make up on. Um, Notre Dame is the overwhelming favorite from a crystal ball perspective. Yeah. Um, Steve Wilfong, Tom Loy. Wilfong is our national reporter. Tom Loy is uh, as dialed in as there is at, at Notre Dame on that beat. And he's got um, a crystal ball. They both have crystal balls. Pretty high confidence, too, with Jalen Steed landing with the Fighting Irish. But Oregon's going to get a chance to try and turn the tide here a little bit. He's the 73rd best player in the country the sixth best outside linebacker in the country. Um, other schools that he's looking at, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas A&M. He's got offers from every conference. Uh, you know, Nearly every elite school has offered him a scholarship. And this is one probably that feels like, hey, we're probably running second at very best. Very best case scenario, we're running second right now. But he's such a good player. We've got to try. And let's see if we can maybe at least make him rethink his strong connection with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish to open the door for us to really crack things open and try and uh, sway him towards the regular season. And, you know, a, a good a good 2020 football season paves the way. Yeah, I like this kid a lot as a prospect. Kind of reminds me of Adrian Jackson. Uh, current Oregon outside linebacker, you know, maybe a little light in terms of weight, 6'2", 210, but track athlete who can run, who, who's really, really athletic, um, obviously from South Carolina. I can't – Matt, like, I'm drawing a blank. When was the last time Oregon got somebody out of South Carolina? I mean, that's the state that I just don't remember much success unless I'm just totally forgetting somebody. Um, I, I, can't I can't even think of anybody. Have they? Is that a state that they've had? I mean, I know they've had kids from North Carolina. They've had kids from a lot of different parts of the South. South Carolina feels like maybe one they haven't hit. Um, but this would be a heck of a guy to get started with because I think athletically he's he's big time. And obviously, it sounds like it's going to be tough to pull him from Notre Dame and some of those more regional schools. I mean, he's in he's in this Clemson's backyard. If they want to go get him, they might be able to. But this is the kind of kid that you throw him out there at linebacker with what Oregon has yeah. already. It would be it's a difference scary. maker. Yeah, he's a he's a freaky athlete. Again, reminds me a little of Adrian Jackson in that regard. Now, all these players that we rolled through the six, 
they're all expected to arrive June 4th in Eugene at some point, and then they will be here for the rest of the, the day on the 4th. They'll be here all day on the 5th, and then at some point on the 6th, they will be leaving the Oregon campus. And then, look, two days later, you've got another official visit starting, Toriano Pride, four-star cornerback. He will be here on campus. Um, a couple days later, you've got Jackson Moy, a three-star defensive end, coming in for an official visit. The next day, Sterling Lane, another defensive lineman, makes a visit. Um, and then you just keep going down the, the month, and the list keeps growing and growing, and more players are showing up. June 18th feels like a big week. You've got two guys on campus uh, starting on that day. June 25th is probably – the, uh, the next really big weekend right now, it looks like. Um, Oregon's got three guys all slotted in for official visits. All three of them are four-star, high-level guys. Um, and, and players, Oregon's got a legit chance at landing. So the month of June is going to be crazy. It's going to be wild. Um, you look at Oregon's recruiting class right now, they're first in, in the Pac-12, and they're in the top 20 nationally. And the question becomes, where does this class end after the month of June? Are they still going to be in first? And how many guys are they going to add to this commit list? Um, I'll make make a a bold prediction here. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's hear it. What do you got? They're still going to be first in the conference. They'll move up a couple slots nationally. And I think by the end of June, Oregon will probably have 12 verbal commitments. Okay, 12 verbal commitments. Currently, they have eight. So you're saying four is your number for the month of June. Yeah, I think I think four guys. I would set the over-under at three and a half for verbal commitments from what is what is today? May, what is it, 15th? Or yeah. Well, 17th, sorry. We're, we're recording it on a day that's not May 17th, but yes. yes, yes so that's May 17th, starting on May 17th to uh, July 1, I think Oregon will pick up four verbal commitments. I'll set the over under at three and a half and I'll take the over. I'll probably take the over too, just because I think you got 20 kids coming on campus at minimum. That probably gets closer to maybe 30 something. I would bet from now until then, I I think there's going to be a lot of action over the last next couple of weeks. As Matt said, you're seeing new kids almost every day. And that's a reason to be on duckterritory.com. If you're into this stuff is just, I think the list will grow and grow and grow. And if it's 30 kids on campus over the course of a month, I have to think they have at least a, 20% 20% hit rate with that, you know, at least a 15% hit rate with that. And I know, I mean, part of that you have to realize too, is you think official visits, maybe they don't commit right away because there's still a lot going on here. And I'm sure that a lot of these kids are going to take visits, you know, this fall as well, but I, I I'm with you. I think four seems like a really good number. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little more than that. Um, we've seen Oregon have those runs in the past with recruiting where it's like every Every week they're landing a kid early in the week and then a kid on Friday. I wouldn't be stunned if we get to some part of June where it's you're, they're picking up two to three guys in a week and, and the number ends up getting closer to like five or seven guys they land for from now till then. So I'll take the over two, Matt. It's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for watching the show on YouTube. Thank you for subscribing to both podcasts and also the YouTube channel. And most importantly, the best way to continue to support this uh, free avenue of information on Oregon athletics is uh, go subscribe to duckterritory.com for $1 for your first month, $9.95 there after that. That that allows you to make the biggest impact on supporting us and allowing us to continue to do these types of things. Uh, If you like Eric and I's work, uh, 
Uh, you can go to duckterritory.com and subscribe for more. And until we talk to you on the next podcast, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks.